Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. So over the past few years, you may have heard of an Amarillo craft beer event, a beer festival or something. A local radio station used to put that on at the Civic Center. That radio station is no longer doing it. And because I think podcasting is is replacing radio, I decided to take over that event. So Hey Amarillo is now an event promoter. And coming up, this podcast is partnering with Starlight Ranch to offer the Hey Amarillo Beer Festival. It's a celebration of craft beer on Saturday, August 3rd, and we're doing it bigger and better than you may have experienced at that past event. That one used to be at the Civic Center. This one's going to be outdoors at Starlight Ranch. We are celebrating local breweries at ours. So it's going to include beer from Pondicetta, from Six Car, from the Big Texan Brewery, from Long Wooden Spoon, and even a couple of breweries down in Lubbock. We're also going to have craft lines from all over Texas. The doors open at 5 p.m. on August 3rd, and for 30 bucks, you'll be able to sample beers from all of those different places. You'll be able to talk to the local brewmasters and hang out with other fans of craft beer. And you don't just get to taste beer for your admission, although that's definitely the draw. We're going to close things down with a concert that night from Fine and Dandy, a duo that's friends of this podcast, followed by Fast Lane, an Eagles tribute band that is supposed to be awesome. So the Hammerlo Beer Fest is on August 3rd. Saturday, August 3rd, you can get tickets at bit.ly slash Amarillo Beer Fest. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash Amarillo Beer Fest. And it's not too late to sponsor a booth. If you want to do that, let me know. Today's guest is Keely Brown. And Keely has a story that this podcast has not really heard before from a variety of different angles. Number one, she's one of the co-founders of Colorful Closets which is a local nonprofit that provides mini wardrobes for children, children who live here in the Amarillo area with gently used donated clothing. It's a really unique organization. It's a faith-based organization, and Keely's going to talk about that. But she herself has also been through some stuff, as she'll tell you. She's gone through some trials in her life that involve economic hardship and landing in a place that is near poverty. And for a period of time, that poverty was almost invisible to her neighbors in southwest Amarillo. And so she talks about how she got through that. It's given Keely a really valuable perspective, and I think it's worth listening to. So here's Keely Brown. Keely Brown, welcome to the Amarillo podcast. Thanks for being here. Yay, thank you. Well, I appreciate uh, you sitting in with me. I I know that we'll end up talking probably about colorful closets and some other things that you're involved with. But before we get to that point, I just want to hear a little bit about your story. So tell me how you ended up in Amarillo in the first place. Okay, I was born and raised in Amarillo. I grew up um, going to St. Mary's Catholic School all the way through eighth grade. Okay. And then I went to Tascosa, which was so freeing. Catholic school did me great, but I was so ready. And That's a big I change. Loved it. Yeah, it was a big change. I was so scared. My main fear was that I was going to get beat up by some stranger because I lived in a bubble, and Tesco's was very, very diverse. Right. And it is now, and it even was back then. Yeah, which know. is awesome. Right. As, I love that. I'm attracted to diversity, but um, yeah, I was like, Mom, what do I do if someone tries to beat me up? That's the main fear. And she said, you run to the principal's office and you scream, help. 
And I was like, okay, I can do this. Right. And I never had to do that. No That's a good tip for, for any kids listening yeah. today. And it ended up being a great experience. How big was your class at St. Mary's? Oh, geez. I wouldn't even know. I have a horrible memory. It was small. I mean, maybe a class of 15 and a couple of those, like first grade, be a couple classes of 15. I mean, right. was it was a teeny tiny, and I might not even be doing that justice. I don't know. Small. Do, I mean, you, do you remember, like, was, was there a decision, like, either on your part or your parents to say, okay, you've, you've been in private school up to this point, now we want you in public school? I mean, was, was there, like, a strategy behind that or anything, or is oh, that just... They may have had a strategy. I was the oldest, so I think I was trial by error with everything. I was ready to be at Tascosa. I was ready to be in public school. Didn't know anybody. I mean, I had a handful of people that I was familiar with through connections to my parents or whatever. But, I mean, nothing super solid like, hey, that's one of my best friends. Right. I mean, it is straight up starting fresh. And I loved it. I loved it. So it was a good good experience all the way through. Oh, gosh, I loved I loved high school. Great what happened um, after you got toward graduation? I mean, did you know what you wanted to do? Did you think this is where I'm going to college, any of that stuff? I knew I was going to college, but my family, my parents, they would wanted me to start at AC for two years, kind of get your bearings. I'm not really the partier anyway, or I wasn't. I was kind of terrified of partying, and so AC was great. I um, visited my friends who went off to school and kind of lived through them for a hot second, then came back, and I babysat with AC, lived with mom and dad, very comfortable, very safe. So I didn't know I was going to college, and then after a couple years, I didn't know what I was going to do after that. I'm in college, but I didn't know where. But yeah, continuing education was important to me. wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to be a mom, and I knew I wanted to teach aerobics. Okay. (laughs) So those those were the the two things you knew for sure. Big goals. Yeah. I um, so I wanted to do exercise sports science is what I thought I wanted to do. And then it was too much science and too much microbiology. And I got really grossed out. And I thought, okay, I, I don't know that I can do that. I just want to work out. Don't people just do jumping, jumping jacks? They don't have to have science. Right. You have to learn all. So I was like, yeah, that's not for me. Then I thought I wanted to be a hygienist because I could only work twice a week. I could have babies like I want and make great money. So I thought I wanted to do that. And again, back to the science. And I don't like germs. I don't like my own germs in my own mouth. So that was not a good idea. And I didn't even start uh, whatever, what's it called, dental hygiene. So I did my basics at AC. And then I transferred to UTA, University of Texas at Arlington, and went there for three years and received my public relations journalism degree. Loved it. No plans on what I'm going to do with that. Right. But so fun. Such a great degree. And maybe I'm kind of using that, but I don't know. I did use it for two years at BSA, and I worked there, helped out with their PR. That was fun. Fun job. Did you intend to come back to Amarillo like oh, after you graduated? Sure. That was that was always your plan? Yes. Well, I mean, I never really saw myself leaving Amarillo because I'm such a homebody. My whole family's here for the most part. I love having that connection with my parents, especially now that I have kids. Thank God I'm living by my family. Brandon's family lives here. I don't know what people do when they don't have family around and the help and the, especially when your babies are little. I'm so grateful for that. So did did you, uh, you graduated, did you come back here and have like a job lined up? I mean, was that when you began working at at BSA or how did, how did that happen career-wise? No, um, Brandon and I started dating before I even, kind of when I was at AC already and he was finishing up school, college, and then I moved off to UTA and he was here starting his career and he'd visit me in Fort Worth. 
so him being here and my family being here, it just was a given. I mean, that's just what I'm going to do. That's what I do. And that's what I'm going to do. And that's what we do, right? You move back home. I don't know. It was so traditional. So him being here and the love of my life and it's where who I wanted, I would have gone anywhere with him. Brandon Brown was going, I was there. Okay. Okay. That, and he was I, here. So he was you, here you and that's where here. I was. And I'm so glad that this is where we are. Tell me what you did in those first few years, like after you guys got married, after you, um, you know, were before you had kids and, and that kind of thing. Well, we, say so I graduated from college in 2000, then I got married in 2000. So got, okay. So it all happened at the same yeah. time. Graduated in May, got married in August, started working for BSA, I think by end of September or October. So that summer and going into the fall, I was interviewing for jobs and got hired on by BSA and did that for two years. I mean, just simple living, newlywed living, nothing really exciting. We we waited five years before we started having our, our babies. So Lake came by 2005, and I'm so grateful for those five years, those mm-hmm. building years in a marriage. If I could give anyone marital advice about anything, and we didn't do this then. But it's what I'm going to tell my kids, and they're going to think I'm crazy. I think everyone, good or bad, should have marriage counseling. Oh, sure. I mean, like from the get-go, because that first year is hard. You're just, you're combining bank accounts, you know, you're for girls. It's a big change. It is a big change. And you're needy as a girl, and you want him, and why isn't he home yet? And I mean, now, four kids later, and you're like, okay, we'll just see, we'll see you when we see you. Right. But in the beginning, it's totally different. I don't know, I just think marriage counseling can be so spiritual and um, a cool bond. There's nothing wrong with it. If I had gone back, I wish I had that kind of some coaching and leadership. We had mentors in our life and cool people like that, but um, it's good advice. I great advice. Yeah, I, I know I know people who are actually uh, psychiatrists and mm-hmm. therapists, and they just do that as a matter of course. They're just like we're always going to be in ma- marriage counseling yeah. because it's good for us. It helps us to relate to each other, oh my whether gosh. they're like in a crisis mode or anything yeah. like that. It's just sort of a regular practice that they yeah. know is healthy for their relationship. Yeah, and if you're already in that habit and then a crisis does come along, you've already got this habit and it's not unnatural and it's not something to fear or think, okay, I failed. It's just, it is what it is. I wish I had started that. Tell me about, you know, coming back here. I, I know you worked for a little bit, but but just about raising a family in Amarillo. I mean, you you have friends who live elsewhere and you mm-hmm. know what their lives are like. What is Is there something about coming back here and being in this place that you think was beneficial for your family? Well, family, number one, extended family, my parents, my sister, my brother does live in Seattle. Gosh, I, and hearing his stories, I, are reminders, like, thank God I am here in the panhandle of Texas. I love the rolling plains. I love the four seasons, my family, my faith, um, my kids starting in public school. I was terrified for my kids to go to public school. Really? Even though, even though you had done that? Yeah. Cause I did grow up Catholic. There was something about elementary school. I didn't know enough about it. And ironically, my dad was a principal my whole life in public schools. But um, I just wasn't ready for my kids to go to uh, to public school. I really thought they'd go to private. Well, then we had four kids. Then we kind of hit a financial crisis. And private school was just not even in the question. Like, oh, my gosh, what do you do? And then I kind of interviewed schools. <laughs> oh, did you really? <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm going to go interview these schools and just see what they're about. And I really fell in love with the public school system. Could not believe it. Never would have thought and um, Puckett is where my kiddos go. And do, it's, you know, middle class, upper middle class, but still diversity. Diversity, I just think, like I said, going to Tascos, it is important. I don't want my kids to live too much in a bubble. But um, the community 
And um, I feel like we're at a private school, Puckett. I can't speak for any other public elementary schools because I don't know, but um, we have moms in prayer, and we pray as moms together, and that's empowering, just loving and involved community. I'm happy to see my kids grow up in that. Listening to my brother who lives in Seattle and stories he has, and they don't have kids, and sometimes I'm like, oh, my gosh, can I imagine raising a kid in that type environment, number one, or that hugeness of a city. I love that we aren't in a tiny, small town, and I love that we aren't smack dab in the middle of Dallas. You know, I, I just it's feel kind like of the, the best of, of both worlds. I it's feel it's like, not too small. It's not too yeah. big. I think if you have your people, too, that's for anybody, anywhere, that's important. I can't imagine being here being lonely. It would be a totally different experience. I've had that before, you know, but... So I hurt for people maybe in those positions that I think I'm attracted to those people because I want to, I want them to experience, you know, the positive of our community. You've mentioned a couple times already about going through a, a crisis point, and I know you have some situations in in your past. Do you want to talk about any of the the things that you guys went through? Well, yes, I'm an open book, so I never have anything to hide. And you don't have to if yeah. you don't want to. No, I love it. I'm okay. an open book. So living comfortable, loving my home having friends, uh, just going through life, you know, when we hit a real big speed bump, financial speed bump, which led to um, other decisions that affected our lifestyle and our social life, financial life. We'd lost everything. My car was repoed and I thought it was stolen. So I called the cops. I mean, I knew we were going through some hard times. (laughs) I mean, there's some comic relief. I think Jesus has a sense of humor. And thank God I like to laugh because I was able to kind of giggle through a lot of it, cried through a lot of it, a lot of it. But um, How long ago was that? This all started 11 years ago. Okay. So that's about the time... 12. 12 years ago. 2007, 2008? About the time when, I mean, the whole country was in financial crisis. Was this related to some of those... Um, um, recession types of things, or was it no just business stuff? Business, okay. Yeah. We had some business stuff, to say the least. Okay. Oh my goodness! And we can um, we can leave it as general yeah. as that. So I'll let your imaginations wonder. But anyway, um, business stuff happened, unbeknownst to us, that life could fall apart so fast. That realization is really unreal. Um, it's not going to happen to you. You know, it's not going to happen to me. I'm not going to go. That would never be me. And if it was me, I have a college degree, you know, right. so does Brandon. He has a college degree and we know how to work and we're hard workers. So that's not going to happen to us. And it did. And I think for us, it happened so quickly and you're just trying to keep your bearings and thinking, oh, this is going to pass. So it's going to be three months and this is going to be a rough three months. We're going to figure this out. And then it's six months. And then it's, it ended up being, um, six years. Wow. Close to seven years. But in my naive, innocent mind, I guess, I'm really not that innocent, but um, holding on to this can't last much longer. This is almost over. This is almost over. And it just went on and on. And in the meantime, my car's repoed, and we needed to move out of our home. Um, we ended up moving in with my parents, and we lived with them for four years. So we lived. We, the struggle was real in our own personal home for about two years. I mean, with electricity, because you could pay it? Maybe not. Um, with some water, maybe not. At that point, when we were really facing some financial issues, I could not admit it to my parents because I did not want them to think my husband failed his family. Sure, I was not working like a, I was a stay-at-home mom. I so could have gotten a job, again, back to the college degree or whatever. I had three babies, and they were, I don't know how people do it. Well, at the time, two and four, and then we had our third. So um, I was trying to keep life at home, 
as normal as possible, and I didn't know what our normal was anymore. If the water was turned off, I had a relationship with our neighbor, Stanley, and he was an older gentleman, happened to be my grandmother's cousin. I mean, God works in crazy cool ways. I'd be like, Stanley, can I fill up my buckets in my jugs of water just so I can flush toilets a day? And then, you know, 10 days would go by. We'd do that for 10 days. We'd bathe. My best friend lived down the street. That's where we'd bathe. And I figured out how to live without water. And then, you know, the the water comes back on, and it might be a couple normal days, and then maybe it's electricity or the heat. Oh, my gosh. Or the, the cold uh, we experienced. It was a cold October, and that was approaching when we were, unbeknownst to us, about to move into it with my parents, and cold, like see your breath in the house cold. Again, I couldn't tell my parents yet how right. bad things were really getting. We ate applesauce. It just was, I felt like I was watching my life in a fishbowl, or it was so weird. It was so, like, I can't even explain. It was so real, but so unreal. Um, but you had you had sort of a community around you, whether they knew all the details, yeah. but you were able to rely on, Crazy. on friends and neighbors and stuff to kind of get you through some of those neighbors. things. I didn't have a car. I'd lost my car. So, I mean, it's walking distance. My girlfriend down the street, she knew we were coming for baths. Our babies were best friends. They thought that was great. And also, I'm thankful that my babies were babies. I mean, Lake was four. And Evie Claire was two. Gigi was newborn. And oh my gosh, we're going to go take a bath with Hudson again. I mean, it's so fun. I mean, so fun. And uh, she just was an unconditional my friend that stayed with me. I mean, I had a few right there on that street, on that block that really stood by me. Outside of that block, walking distance, it was like I either I didn't exist anymore we didn't exist anymore or people to us didn't exist anymore. I don't, we were so far removed. Right. Going to United grocery store. I got so far removed in my bubble. I didn't have a car. So I, my parents would let me borrow mom's car on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I, and they, they knew we were struggling. So I would get, they would give me gift cards to like, to go to the grocery store or to Walmart. So I got so accustomed to go to, going to Walmart and going, getting whatever I needed. Diapers. I mean, at that time, milk, do I buy Okay, mom and dad gave me this much money. Do I buy this conditioner? Do I buy this milk? I mean, like, what am I going to... You're having to make, like, those decisions crazy. that most people just don't think about. No. Well, I'll, I'll go buy that, you know. No. no, crazy. And, I mean, mom and dad were giving me a good chunk, but, I mean, the extras, you're thinking, okay, what do I really... What do I really need this week at the grocery store? What can I stretch until mom and dad give me another gift card? At the time, mom and dad are thinking they're just kind of help, helping give us a boost. They don't know I have applesauce in my fridge and that this gift card is really going to help me. Bethesda, they didn't donate it. <laughs> I mean, it's like I think of this and think, gosh, is this, this is my life. They left food on our porch every other Wednesday. I think it was every other Wednesday because my girlfriend where we bathed, her mom was a volunteer there. And so Wednesdays, Bethesda would – it's crazy what you get from Bethesda, the coolest stuff. I mean, Jesus – showed up in those grocery bags, like the coolest way. I mean, some things would show up that I'd be asking my girlfriend, did you tell your mom that I mentioned? I mean, and I'm not needy, like, oh, I wish. Like she and I, we were craving a Clamata beer one day when the kids were having um, a play date. Just, it was summer and it was hot and something we used to do. We used to cut up watermelon and play in the yard and have a, you know, a fun beer or just summer in that, Kind of, all, I couldn't entertain anymore. I, could, I mean, it just all came to a stop. So one day, I was telling her, "God, doesn't that sound good?" I mean, in, in you know, 
know, fantasizing about a stinking beer. So dumb. But that next day in my Bethesda stuff was Clamata juice. And so I'm thinking she told her mom and she's probably got the beer at the Clamata. Somebody knew. And- yeah. Like what? And I mean, she would get moved by it. I would get moved by it. She'd be like, I swear, I promise. Oh my gosh. I mean, and not that Jesus is like, here, cheers. But Jesus did drink wine. He turned water to wine. I mean, he's okay with the fact that I wasn't here that day. I, I'm interested in the fact that you, what you mentioned is that you, you know, you had like sort of what most people would think of as just this normal um, middle-class life. Mm-hmm. Um, all of a sudden you go through this crisis. You get into survival mode mm-hmm. where you felt like you were still in a bubble with just a few friends that knew mm-hmm. what was happening and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Do you think that that's a, like an, a normal thing that, that there are even people in Southwest Amarillo or in nicer parts of town that are going through situations mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. that maybe we don't know it, but they're living, you know, abject paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. They're struggling to keep the water on, that kind of thing. And it's just, we don't think about that because maybe their house is a little bit nicer than houses on another side of town. Oh, gosh. You cannot judge a book by its cover. I mean, I'm not kidding. I had a friend at the time that had was clueless to what we were going through. And she um, came down to my house, and we happened to have everything on. I mean, it was it was just a good day. <laughs> Electricity. Everything and, was turned on still. Yeah, utilities. Everything's normal. And, you know, just because you lose everything doesn't mean, and you lost your clothes, and you lost your lifestyle, and you lost your class. Money does not buy class. I believe it. I strongly believe that. Um, I mean, you don't just all of a sudden start dragging a leg. Mm-hmm. So things aren't super obvious unless you're sharing it. And, and a lot of people don't open up, or it's shameful, or... You know, their pride gets in the way or they're going through a crisis that, and they're just trying to wrap their brain around it. For me, I didn't have a phone. I didn't have a car. I mean, unless you were next to me and around me, you didn't know. But one of these friends, she had mentioned something about my life and something like, you know, you always have it together or something. And in my head and in my journal, even, I mean, I still have all my journals. I was like, if she only knew. And maybe the timing wasn't appropriate for me to tell. I don't, I don't, I just was thinking in my head. It was such a realization of, we don't know. We don't know who is struggling with that, unless they're broadcasting. And right. you don't know. They could be in a beautiful shell of a home in the perfectly manicured yard. Doesn't mean you don't know how to mow your grass anymore. Your lawnmower still works. They're going to, you know, mow your grass and pick your weeds. You can still do that stuff. Um, you get, you figure out your creativity too, how to, Fake it till you How to get make by. It. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. I know you and your family eventually like climbed out of that and got past, mm-hmm. you know, that crisis point. Is there, looking back on that, like, are there some things that you've learned about poverty mm-hmm. or about families, you know, who are struggling week to week? I mean, do, do you feel like you came through that and, and it sort of changed your perspective on things? Oh my gosh. Yes. I, I want to say I've always had a big heart for people. And then once I had kids, of course, for kids and children, I've always loved kids anyway. Yeah, God, your perspective. I would go through it all over again. Brandon gets so upset with me when I say that. (laughs) But to go through it again, knowing where I am today in my perspective, um, where I am in my life, in my gratitude, appreciation, drive, survival skills, which I didn't even know. I mean, I didn't even know if I could walk down the halls of Tesco's without getting beat up mm-hmm. for no reason. You know, I couldn't believe I was in survival mode, almost to where I thought, am I going crazy? Like, why am I okay with this? God, he's real and experienced him. My closest with him through this whole experience, to go through a crisis like this again, to be that tangibly close to Jesus, 
you know, the stories that people say that they passed away during surgery and they came back or they're right. 90 minutes in heaven or whatever. It's the only thing I know to relate this to. I've never experienced that, but how they want to go back or they didn't want to come back to earth or they, you know, even though they had a loving family and a wonderful life here, how they just wanted to say, it's almost that I'm grateful where I am today and what for what we have and where we've come, what we've gone through. But that closeness with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, nothing has ever compared. Today, it dr- still drives me in how I um, see people and want to be involved with those people. So I, I know that, that that heart that you have now and the experiences you went through um, are also part of the, the Colorful Closet story and, and had you know maybe had its roots in, in some of those things that you went to. Mm-hmm. So tell me sort of how that organization developed and, and what, what led to it starting. For me, I have a partner, Lindsay Wing, and she's fabulous. Couldn't imagine having anybody else next to me because, you know, it's a everyday together battle to keep this going. But we really are, you know, opposites attract, I think, you know, in your marriage mm-hmm. and in your friendship and in your business partnership. And I think we're a great balance. For me, the closet was uh, driven by what we had gone through. And it was a it's a part of me. I mean, that will always be a part of me, what we went through, what we experienced. Then my kids entered public school more at Puckett. And when you are without and you're in a school like Puckett, it is obvious and it sticks out like a sore thumb. A lot, some people notice that and some people are so in there, not because they're a bad person or a mean or ugly person. Our lives are busy today mm-hmm. and it is crazy. And I think unless you've been through it or unless you just have that I don't know, a certain gift to notice those things. You're just trying to pick your kids up from school, get home, get a snack, get to football practice, get home. I mean, you're go, 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 you know? You and Lindsay are both moms together yes. at, with kids at Puckett, though, at the time. She's not at Puckett. She's, okay. She was at a different school. For, okay. for me, it was Puckett. Okay, so we have um, we have a lot of refugees at Puckett, refugee families. Gosh, and <laughs> they are thrown out there. I mean, they supposedly have a support system. They don't know. They have no idea. They know to put clothes on their body to cover their little naked bodies. Mm -hmm. I mean, clothes are just something you throw on. We had little boys wearing, uh, in my little girl's class, jeans that were three inches too short, a hot pink rhinestone on his little bottom. And I would panic. And at the time, we had um, Janine Powell as our, uh, and she's amazing, as our principal, and I'm brand new to public school, and I would be in her office all the time like, oh, my gosh. Because at this time, we are finally back on our feet financially. Okay. And what do I do? What do we do about these kids? I'm going to clean out Lake's closet. He, this little boy was wearing, you know, hot pink rhinestone. I mean, we should say that, that Puckett is surrounded by newer neighborhoods, a little oh, yeah. bit newer homes, maybe yeah. higher income than yes. other parts of the city. But it still has like apartments that feed into the school. Yes that end up housing yes. lower-income families. And yes. that's where some of the refugees oh, for sure. actually end up in that district. Yes, two full apartments that flank Emerald High. And they they come to Puckett or Ridgecrest, I guess. So seeing those and realizing they are few and far between, and they stick out like a sore thumb, versus you have your Eastridge school. Mm-hmm. You see a ton of kids over there that are in jammies. Well, the whole class is in jammies. Mom and dad are in jammies. So there's a sense of community in that. Because everyone is poor at yeah. one school, or at least lower income. Yes, and they all are are experiencing the same things like us. We're all experiencing football and gymnastics and the crazy of go, go, go. They're experiencing 
what they're experiencing together. Which isn't ideal, of course, but there's no there's more of a community and less of a that sense of I stick out from all the other yes. kids in my class, which is hard for kids. Oh my gosh, for sure. It, they just want to fit in. That, for me, is kind of how the closet started. I used to brainstorm and ask Janine Powell, hey, can we have like a closet drive? Or what can, what can we do here to um, get everyone to clean out their closets? Because, I mean, we've got some kids that have some good stuff. And kids grow out of their stuff so quickly. What are we doing with this stuff? Are we just dumping it somewhere and we have no idea where it's going? We got to give it a purpose. And of course, I never did that. I never could get my brain around how, what are we going to do? How, how do we do that? So I just did what I could do. If I saw a child in need, I would clean out Lake's closet or maybe go shop a little bit and make sure he had some pants or whatever. Then Lindsay and her husband, Brandon, they were just finishing up. Well, they had finished up law school and lived in Houston for a little bit. And then they were moving back to Amarillo. She's one of my very best friends from high school, and I ran into her at church, and we picked up where we left off and started our babies are babies, and um, we're getting all the babies through school, and our last are in preschool, and she and I, as girlfriends, are kind of panicked, like, what are we going to do when all of our kids are in school all day? You know, we're going to be empty nesters, supposedly. Um, She's a busybody. I am, too. What are we going to do with our time? So we were going to clean out closets for women for fun and for money. We were going to make money. Sort of an organizing type oh, of yeah. business. She's Lindsay, we both kind of finish each other's sentences when it comes to organization and just kind of, it's a great marriage. And we were going to make money and make a living doing this. And so we're going to start with our moms. So we did her mom's closet. I did my mom's closet. We did a couple friends. We had champagne. We had friends come with us while we cleaned out the closets. And we purged a lot of stuff. And some of the clothing that we were purging was really pretty items that the homeowner or the they just were tired of. Sure. Or, well, I never wore that. I never could get myself to wear that. Okay, well, it's so cute and it still has a price tag on it. So good quality stuff. Not like, why are you still holding on to your shirt from 1980? Right. It was... Nice clothes. Yeah, brand but they just clothes. are ready for women. A lot of women like to change out their closet often. So where are we going to... Where can we donate these clothes? So in researching that, there's a lot of women resources in Amarillo to donate your clothing to Downtown Women's Center. I mean, so many. Martha's Home. And then in the meantime, the struggle's real at Puckett, and kiddos are in need of clothes all the time that I'm seeing. And I called Lindsay one night, and I was like, listen, you know, here's the deal with Puckett and these babies that want to fit in so bad. And you see them, and I was starting to see these kids watch my kids. Like, they're in a fishbowl. And I remember being in that fishbowl. And life goes on yeah. around you, and you're you're watching it. It, it. I was watching this happen, and I was thinking, I'll be dang that." We're the ones that they're watching because they want something that we have that's just fantasized. You know, it's so easy to fantasize someone else's life. Well, what would they have? Or, ooh, they, they they look so fabulous as they get into that car. And then we get in the car and they don't know that we're all yelling at each other and hurry. Right, and, right. You know, it's not a fantasy. Um, wanting those babies just to feel normal and feel. So um, call Lindsay. We brainstorm all this. I'm like, what if we had our friends clean out their own kids' closets and just give us the clothes? And you and I figure out what we're going to do with these clothes. And if we want, we can still clean out women's closets for money. But let's see where this goes. So we did. It was a summer. Um, the summer, it was 2016. And we started throwing it out to like best friends. Hey, when you clean out our clothes, put it on my porch. And I would pull up and there would be like 20 trash bags on my good stuff. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Stuff with price tags on it. Stuff that kids are wearing that it's current style. 
that um, they just grow out of because kids grow fast. And so what yes. might be in style this year, they're not wearing yes. six months from now. Exactly. Crazy. I mean, with my own kids, I know that for myself. So she and I started going through these bags, clothes are ending up on her porch, my porch, and it just was going crazy. People in the meantime were like, hey, ha- do y'all have an Instagram page or uh, f- Facebook? And we're like, no, we just, we're not going to do social media. You know, it's just, we don't believe in that. So we um, started studying nonprofit for dummies. Okay, the, the actual book. The actual nonprofit for dummies. I'm All not right. kidding. And we are collecting these clothes from our friends. We're studying the nonprofit book for dummies. Every Tuesday, we'd get that out and we'd study in between and Tuesday get together and find out her husband's an attorney and Brandon's an entrepreneur. He had space for us to move in for an office, you know, just so we're kind of using our fingers uh, and connections. And um, we end up getting an attorney to look into this 501c3 thing that we didn't even know that that's what that meant. Right. And we got our 501c3 and usually it takes a really long time. Ours came so fast. Um, Cause it still doesn't quite feel like that's this, that's what your life is now. Right. Oh, we're still, I mean, you still like feel still like you're like, just getting started. Oh my or gosh. Yes. We've been doing it for three years and we're riding the wave. Yeah. Like, um, you know, just, we don't want the right wave to fall. Um, so tell me, tell me for people that don't really know then what colorful closets is. I mean, Tell me what the organization does. Okay, we collect, organize, and distribute tenderly used and new clothing with the idea that uh, my... Okay, so I have four babies, four kids, and Evie Claire's 12, Gigi's 10. So Gigi, of course, gets a ton of Evie Claire's hand-me-downs that are still in great condition. How would I clothe these kiddos in this community? Would I? What Am I going to keep Evie Claire's shirt that she accidentally spilt um, fingernail polish all over, or am I going to... Gigi's not going to want to wear that to school. Sure. She's going to think I'm a joke. So she's going to get the things that are still in good shape from Evie. And then we're also going to go and stock up on some new school clothes. Because how fun is that? You want you, She's got the old, and that makes sense. You pass that down, and then we get to go get the new. So the tenderly used and new clothing to build a wardrobe. We like to sprinkle it with a few new things. What goes into a wardrobe are they receive 10 tops, 5 bottoms, 5 brand new pair of socks and underwear each, and then an entire full-size bag of toiletries. So not sample size, um, not from your hotel, because you saved them all summer long, which is awesome. There's resources for that. Sure. There's Tyler Resource Center. There's, you know, places, Faith City Mission, places where men and women do need that shower for the evening. We're, we are giving these children these wardrobe bags, and they're filled in a reusable tote bag with hope and dignity, not a teaser, not two T-shirts and maybe a sample size of champagne. It, like, it's enough to get them through like a week at school. Two, two, two weeks. weeks. Okay. That was that idea. So ten, because a weekend nobody knows what you're wearing. You can wear it again. Sure. Ten days, ten school days with the hopes if they have water. And that's, I go back to that, you know, thinking, gosh, I mean, but um, to be able to get a good load of laundry, a good solid week of socks and underwear. That's where we get the five underwear, five socks from hoping they can launder them on that weekend and just start over. We mix it together like a capsule wardrobe. So it's not just 10 outfits. It's mixed together where you can really, which really is how we all should dress. I'm not kidding. I love clothes and I want a closet full of clothes, but you could really do it and look different every day. So we try to educate like our advocates and our counselors who use our services that when you pull this stuff out of the bag, involve the children, the students, pull the clothes out, Give them an education. Be excited about mm-hmm. it. We don't want it to ever feel like, and here's some hand-me-downs, and I think it might fit. And No, if it didn't fit, it's like a store. You, they don't get to come into the store. We don't allow for the public to come in. But um, 
we they can take it back to their counselor and we start over or we replace and we want them to feel good about it and the counselors to say and look what you can wear you can wear this pink skirt with this you know mm-hmm. and mix and match to, to it show them what them. the possibilities are yeah because they are i mean if you can look up online like google um capsule wardrobe and there's so many different things that show you how to break it down it's so fun. So it's challenging. And Lindsay and I, I mean, there's a lot of thought that goes into each and every wardrobe. It is not a random grab bag. When the bag is put together, we send it fresh to the cleaners. It goes to Doge. They have offered their services for us. And they launder them. And the stuff comes back smelling. It's another part of the experience. Fresh, clean. It is folded perfect. And it's stacked nicely in that bag. Um, we also outsource our laundry to Tornado or other laundromats. Um, that we pay for because mm-hmm. we don't want to take dosh for granted. Sure. Which, I mean, and the kids are all like, are, are they identified by their counselors? Like they yes. say, this is a child in need. Yes. You know, maybe this is a school where it's one kid, you know, out of 300, right. but they identify them and then they come to you and say, this is a candidate. Exactly. Right. We re- we have great relationship with the counselors all through Amarillo and Canyon schools. We really want the teachers to start feeling comfortable and mm-hmm. think, okay, colorful closets is legit. It's not two nice girls with a hobby. Mamas that are bored. This is legit. <laughs> and we want you to, you know, notify your counselor. Hey, Joe Blow in my classroom, she has had the same shirt on all week, or it's pretty dingy, or that same hole is in that same shirt. And maybe it's because it's a kid's favorite shirt. It could be Lake Brown for all I know. And it's my own kid wearing the same shorts because he loves those shorts. You know, I mean, there's so many different situations. But at least acknowledging it to the counselor, um, is this something we need to look into? Advocating for these students, um, especially ones falling through the cracks. They may not Mm -hmm. be extremely destitute or living in HUD housing. They just, their mom and dad may just be trying to make ends meet and keep their head above water. What a cool boost. I, I want to close this section by asking, you know, this this is a nonprofit that developed really organically um, in a community among your friends. And, and that's one of those unique things about, I think, Amarillo and people in Amarillo, that they're so willing to get involved when they see a need. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like that part of the city's DNA is, like, closely tied to how colorful closets developed and how it has started to thrive. I mean, is, is it an Amarillo thing? You know, I don't know any different because I have never really lived anywhere else doing this. But from what we've experienced, the second we went public with it, with so we did get Instagram and social media and we bit the bullet and the power of social media, the awareness blew up and people constantly asking, how can I help? How can I help? What can I do? When When's your next volunteer night? Crazy. And I didn't know really if it was going to be accepted, people gonna think we lost our mind. Are they going to think we're two sweet girls with mm-hmm. a hobby? They read nonprofits for dummies and now they're, yeah, you know. And they think they know it all now. <laughs> um, very supportive community. Crazy. We, and Lindsay and I have been blessed to have really special friends that have really taken it on and helped us with awareness within their own churches, their own schools. Schools do socks, sock and underwear drives for us now. Toiletry drives. We've had churches donate Thousands of dollars worth of toiletries, full-size toiletries. What do you want? We tell them what we want, and they give it to us how we want it. And we're like, is this really happening? Cannot believe it. So constant reminders that the Holy Spirit is with us and has led us. And um, I have moments of fear and anxiety of we're not getting enough money in. Or, okay, the clothing that's coming in, people aren't really catching on to what our goal is. Or 
do they understand that we want their good stuff and not their trash and that and then hoping people are catching on to the perspective of people are not beneath us because they are struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, just so I get anxiety and stress with all that in my mind. And then I just have to remember, has Jesus not provided for us? I mean, he's led the way. Why can't I just, I get those human moments of where I just want to take control and I know what I need though and I need it right now. And when he takes the wheel, it just, it works. Hey, Amarillo is sponsored this week by Wick Realty. Katie Wick and her agents helped me buy and sell a house late last year, and they are the best in the business here in Amarillo. They're invested in seeing Amarillo flourish economically and socially for all groups of people. So if you're buying a home, if you're selling a home, if you're building a home, if you're looking for investment property, even if you're a first-time homeowner, talk to Wick. Go to wickrealty.com. That's W-I-E-C-K. And this episode is also sponsored by Bivens Point, which is a wellness community that offers rehab and recovery services, long-term care, and the BeFit Outpatient Therapy Clinic for senior adults. Now, when it comes time for you to help your own parents or your grandparents make rehab and nursing care decisions, turn to Bivens Point. BivensPoint.org. That's B-I-V-I-N-S-P-O-I-N-T-E.org. Okay, I'm back with Keely Brown of Colorful Closets. Keely, this is the part of the show I call Eight Straight. I'm going to ask you eight straight questions, and as my guest, your job is to answer those questions in as much detail as you want to. Okay, other than your own, what is your favorite Amarillo nonprofit? Okay, I'm really partial to Evelyn Rivers because she is the first one that reached out to us and said, hey, I have this space. Do you guys want to move in? That's where we lease our space and that's where we're located. That's the actual closet. That is a closet. A large closet. Yes, in her warehouse, which I feel like I'm in the Oprah of um, nonprofits, which in Amarillo, I know Oprah. But she is is the Oprah of Amarillo She is. I mean, you know, grew up volunteering for her and – um, to me, she's such a legacy, like a living legacy in her heart. And when she and I have sit downs and conversations, I feel like we're speaking the same language and you're like, you get it. And I get it. And yes, exactly. That's what I meant. And those kind of conversations. So she, it's a really sweet bond. I think what she has done for Amarillo students and kids for 40 years is incredible. So Okay. And I should say she's a former guest on this podcast. Yes, so I've heard listeners, her. Listeners, if they have not heard that episode, look that one up. Yes. Okay. What's your favorite restaurant in Amarillo? Okay. My favorite right now, ironically, is called Faves. Okay. It's right around the corner from the closet, so it's convenient. But they're so good to us, too. They are located on 16th Street, right off of Washington, right across from Youngbloods, which Youngbloods is another one of my favorites, mm-hmm. totally separate from Faves. Such good, yummy food. Um, Faves has fresh, gosh, their salad bar is something, is so yummy. And, um, and juices, Faves stands for fruits and vegetables, right? So it's yes. all like fresh food. And, oh, yeah. Healthy living. So good. Then you can go across the street to Young, to Bloods, young Bloods and have a, and have a chicken fried steak. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's balance. a good balance. The best of both worlds. Right. Yeah. Okay. What does this area have too much of? This last year, um, enrolled in Emerald schools, 32,829 students. That's elementary, middle school, and high school. Out of that, 32,000, 22,411 kiddos are disadvantaged. Wow. That's like two-thirds of the kids. Too much. Too many. In the school system. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. It is incredible, and it's sad. I mean, the struggle is real, and 
it just takes me back to, um, I mean, this is why we're doing what we're doing and you can't, um, save the world and you can't do it all. You can only do what you can do. And I think of colorful closets having clothed a little over 2000 kiddos in three years, you know, proud of that number, proud that we're helping. But then you look at the 22,000 right. number and you think, golly. Well, it's easy to get overwhelmed with such is. a big number, but you can still like significantly impact individual kids' yes. lives. You know, and so yes. you're making a difference yes. with you know, maybe that 2,000, and that 2,000 is not 22,000, no. but that doesn't make it any less significant. For sure. It just shows that you've, we've all got a lot of work golly. to do to address that. Yes, a lot of work. Okay, what does this area not have enough of? I don't feel like there's enough awareness, compassion. Okay. I think a lot of us are so caught up in the go of our own life and it's not purposely selfish and it's not any ill will. I just think perspective, you know, for me, my perspective is different because I had experienced some stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, willing to really uh, be aware of Who's who's watching me? People are watching us all over the place. If we're acting ugly, they're catching on to that. If we are the rock star football player, people are watching that. They want to be that. They want to. So how does that football player treat others? Because mm-hmm. he's on a leadership platform. Um, being aware of your surroundings and not getting caught up in how cool you are and what you have. And I think there's, I don't know, there's just not enough perspective in of what's around us. 22,000. Oh, I'm right there, that number. Yeah. 22,000 of 30. Most people 000. don't realize. No. Yeah. Oh my gosh. No. And we get caught up in our safe bubble, mm-hmm. my St. Mary's bubble, you know, and then my pocket bubble. You can be naturally caught up in your bubble. So a little more awareness of the people around I us. So. I think so. How do you describe Amarillo to people outside this area? So my sister-in-law, she's from the Seattle area and that's where my brother lives. Like I think of Sarah, and if she were to move here, for me, I'm from here, and it's where I wanted to end up. It's where, like I said earlier, my family, my comfort, friends, community. I I can't imagine having that anywhere else. To move someone foreign into this town, I would get scared because I think there's a sense of comfort for us who know each Mm -hmm. other, and we know the the social groups and the political, you know, the old money of Amarillo. And we understand and get all that. And, oh, my gosh, for someone to move in and not understand the ropes kind of makes my stomach drop for him. There might be a learning curve. Yes. I think you almost need to be from here. I don't know. Um, I think the people are super nice. Good, great, great place to live. I don't know what it's like for people who – I'm not that person. Okay. When was the last time you went to Palo Duro Canyon? Last summer – my family had a family reunion there. We had a family reunion there two, not two years in a row, but one year, and then we were off a year, and then that was the last two times. Okay. But I love to play Texas. I think I've gone like so many times that it's maybe not unnatural. I have the theme song memorized. I, I find myself singing it from yes. time to time. And clap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my kids get annoyed when I do that. <laughs> it's not cool. Are, are you... Okay. It is not cool. It's cool for, for grownups, maybe. <laughs> Um, are you more likely to go to a coffee shop or an iced tea place? Coffee. Okay. Every morning if I can. What's your coffee shop of choice? Roasters. All right. It's just, um, to me, that's Amarillo. I don't know. It's been here forever. I love Craig. Everyone knows each other there. You go, it's just sense of community. I mean, that's another thing about awesome about Amarillo. You walk into a place and you know sure. five or 10 people. Sure. That feels good. People um, know you? Yeah. It just feels good. 
So, yes, I crave a roaster's. I, my favorite drink is skinny hot chai with a shot of espresso. Grande. Right. Really hot. Okay. Yeah, kind of like my man. Really hot. Make it as hot <laughs> as my man, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's the most underrated aspect of life in Amarillo? I think rest, mm-hmm. family time, great families, but we are... I think caught up in what do we need to do for our kids and with our kids to get them where they need to be and do they need to be in 15 different club groups in order to make the football team in high school to go to college. Just I think we are so caught up in that that it's almost, I'm almost a rebel and go against the grain Mm -hmm. and just pray that, well, my kids are going to do the seasonal sport and they're going to do their best. And we might do a few extra trainings here and there, but gosh, family time is so important to me. And you think Amarillo, though, does give you that avenue to pursue that stuff. For sure you have the avenue. It's just whether you'll choose that. Right. It's crazy. I mean, just speaking with friends, we're, we are all going in different directions. It's hard to even, well, let's all go, let's all meet for dinner. Well, we can't. Or let's sit down, my own family, forget the friends. Let's have dinner and sit down before we get up and go to wrestling practice and gymnastics. And let's sit down real quick. We don't. I think that is lost. Keely, that concludes the uh, the eight straight questions. I like to close by asking my guests to endorse something. So what's something in Amarillo, uh, in this area, that you'd like listeners to know about or experience? Obviously, Colorful Closets. Check us out on social media. We are um, at Colorful Closets AMA on both Facebook and Instagram. Orange Can, my husband has diversified waste. Follow us on Instagram okay. on that. Try to make it fun. It's hard to advertise for trash, so that's fun. My heart, um, kindness. Kindness is so important. Too many bullies, I think. Kiddos, lonely, lost, starving for a friend to be a friend. Notice the person who needs that friend. Huge thing for me, kindness. My kids know I will drag them with a bloody chain that is in my car ready for them if they want it. Now, they're human, and I hope to God they're being kind because I'm saying this out loud. But um, that's a big deal. Okay. If anything, be kind. I can get behind kindness. Yay. Keely, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank I appreciate you. it. I love this. This is so cool. And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks to Keely for the interview and definitely for opening up about some of the things a lot of people just don't talk about publicly. You can find out more about Colorful Closets at colorfulclosetsama.org and also colorfulclosetsama on Instagram. Thanks also to Wick Realty and Bivens Point for sponsoring the show and to Angelina Marie for editing the podcast. Executive producers of Hey Amarillo are Jennifer Callahan, Katie Linger, Patrick Burns, Daniel Davis, Josh Wood, Neil Nossiman, Wilson Lemieux, Ryan Pennington, Wes Reeves, Corey Burns, and Criselda. If you like the show, I'd love you to review it on Apple Podcasts. That helps other people discover this show. If you like the show, I'd love for you to go to the Beer Fest because that directly supports this podcast. Go to bit.ly slash Amarillo Beer Fest for your tickets. Tell people about it. Tell friends about it. Look for the Facebook event. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'm done talking. I'll see you next week.